Thank you. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, thank you, Cornerstone, um, for having me speak today. Um, it's a privilege to share God's word with you and to speak of what he has done uh, for me, and I hope uh, what he will continue to do for all of you. Uh, for those of you who are watching uh, from home, um, and even my friends from Japan, I heard they're watching as well, uh, thank you as well. Um, wel welcome you and hope that you'll be encouraged today. This sermon is a little different where I'll share not only about who God is, but also what he has done for me. There's a myriad of uh, instances that happened in my life uh, that led me to believe in God and commit my life to him. So some of you know that I am raising support right now to do long-term mission work in Japan with OMF. While I have so much to share about missions and mission work, I thought about sharing some of my past of what he did for me and to give you a glimpse of what God is capable of doing for you. My prayer is that you would be moved by God today and to see how much he loves you. My prayer is that he would address the needs that you may have and to discover that he can do anything with those needs. And also I pray that he can show you what he has stored in your life. So before I open up in prayer, I actually just want to set the stage uh, with you. And it comes from a famous story of the Old Testament. Um, it's a story of Moses parting the Red Sea. As some of you know from the story, the Israelites were led to the sea, end of the sea, and the armies of Egypt, Egypt were pursuing them, and chariots were there to annihilate them. So I'd like to ask if you can imagine with me, if you can close your eyes um, while I speak about the setting and then pray for us. The waves are crashing, the sky is darkening, the sound of despair is growing louder and louder. The enemy is just behind them, the Israelites, ready to butcher them. There is no escape. There is no way they could fight and win. There is nothing they could do but to cry out and wait. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise your name and I give thanks so much that we're here to worship to listen, and to receive what you have for us today, Lord. And through this tumultuous and chaotic times in our country and our world, Lord, let us look to you and how you are speaking to us. So prepare our hearts, Lord. Let us receive what you want us to say and use me, Lord, as a vessel to glorify you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay. So I'm not sure if that moment was vivid or not. Uh, perhaps you're wondering if there, was a, uh, if there was ever a time you felt helpless. Or maybe you're going through it right now. Perhaps you're wondering if God is even listening to you all. So I want to start with my story. I was with Cornerstone Church for the past six years. Before that, I lived in New Jersey most of my life. I grew up in mostly an American neighborhood and school, but at home, it was mostly Korean. There was a duality that I had to live through because my parents were immigrated from um, Korea. And um, I would say that uh, I grew up in the church, and I also followed the rules of conduct in the Korean way. But it wasn't until I accepted Christ during the 10th grade that I started to understand what being a Christian meant. I followed along a kid's devotional called Precious Moments. Have you ever heard of that? Precious Moments? Okay, phew. 
Well, some of you are like, yeah. But yeah, it's really old. Um, it's like a cutesy, big cartoonish with big eyes. Um, and they were using that as a way of reaching out to kids about God. And I was here, I am 10th grade, reading these little devotional books. And I was actually following a story of a boy who didn't know about Christ and one who did. And, and in the end, he was just inviting him to, invi- um, to accept Christ. And that's what I did, too. I asked him, can Jesus really forgive my sins? And then I felt this warm sensation in my heart. And I knew that everything was different. I knew that there was a God, that, that he is real. So from there, I was involved with my church in New Jersey. I became a Bible study teacher. During the summers, we would go on mission trips to the Dominican Republic and Mexico to do VBS and help the pastors reach out to the locals about Christ. I also went on to mission trips, um, young adults to um, Asia, Malawi, and South Korea. And then I went on a mission trip to Japan with OMF, and that gave me understanding of what mission life is like. Personal life was not easy for me, however, as I wasn't able to finish college right away, and there were financial problems uh, with the family. After 13 long years, from the time I graduated high school, after 13 years, I finally graduated college with a filmmaking degree. Um, And believe me, I never thought I was able to finish college, but I finally did. And worked at retail uh, to get through the recession in 2009. I was struggling both spiritually and emotionally as I felt alone with no direction at that time. I then felt God nudging me to move to Boston. I didn't know why, but I just did feel this sense that there was not much left for me um, in New Jersey, New York. Although I moved to Boston, my life was not getting better. Being farther away from my homes and friends, it, it was just tough living in a new city. And it was also f- tough finding good Korean food around. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yes, it has gotten better. Um, and I, I, my life did not seem in place, and I just felt further dis- disconnected from people. While my job was able to sustain me living-wise, I felt that there was little meaning in what I was doing. I felt alone and directionless. And the hurt and traumas of my past was overshadowing my confidence. It was at this time where I started thinking about suicide and how there was almost no reason to keep going in life. It's like looking into an abyss and you just want to fall in because you want, you want everything to stop, the pain. During this period was my darkest moment. I felt there was no hope and that I was in a captivity of despair. Mind you, I was still a Christian too. I was thinking of how, why I felt this way and if this is what, I, if this is what life is really like, having no meaning. Once I realized that I needed help, I called friends to help me walk through that time. But there were two things that God told me specifically during that time. One was to find a community of believers, and the second thing was to remember Japan. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites went through a much harsher reality. They were in captivity for over 400 years, being enslaved and worked in brutal conditions. Imagine, if you can, that you wake up knowing that all you will do is work all day, hard labor, lifting stones, walking through the mud, being whipped from your oppressors, and just eating scraps. It was not only a few weeks or years that you did this, but generations after generations and after generations. But the people still believed in God. They still hoped that God will help them 
and cried out to him. And what did God do? God did listen, and he did respond. Moses, who was adopted among the Egyptian royalty and was highly revered, committed murder and ran away from his homeland. His time away resorted him to be a shepherd in the wilderness. He wanted to leave it all behind him. But God had other plans. One day as he was shepherding, Moses saw a strange sight, a burning bush. And as he came closer, God spoke to him. And God instructed him to be a messenger and bring his people out of Egypt. In Exodus, if you have your Bible, chapter 3, verse 7, it writes, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God knew what they went through, and God cared deeply. Maybe some of you are going through a similar sense of captivity. I can't explain why the Israelites were in captivity for so long and why you may feel that your hardship is so dark. I can't explain why it was so cruel, but I know that God was in control of the timing. God did pick the right time for Moses to be born and to lead him to the burning bush. God picked the right time for Moses to declare the Pharaoh who God is and to deliver his people. God picked the right time to show his power as he brought plague after plague upon Egypt. And God did pick the right time for Pharaoh to finally give in and let his people go. So for me, after God told me to find a community of believers, I started to attend here, Cornerstone Church, in late 2015. There was something special about this church, and God drew me to it. So I spent about a year and a half um, and just spending time with people like Pastor Bill and Pastor Hojan and helping me find out what God had in store for me. I cried out to God through my depression, and God responded. In November 2016, I attended a prayer session that changed my life. It was in the back room of BFIT where I prayed with the prayer team. If you ever go there and if I'm with you, I'll, I'll show you where I prayed. And, and I was radically changed. This moment changed my life. Upside down, my world was, was uh, forever changed. So to make a long story short, I saw visions and I felt God's love touch me. It came down like a waterfall. It wasn't anything physical. It wasn't emotional. This was purely God's love and mercy just pouring down on me. And I couldn't help but receive it. This is what I was looking for in my life. And so um, I felt his mercy and grace and how much he loved me. And I felt that he was so proud of me at keeping faith. And of course, I cried like a baby <laughs> through it all. This was the moment where he rescued me from my despair and brought me out of my own captivity of lies and discouragement. Which brings me to my first discouragement, I'm sorry, my first encouragement to you. Please, it is an encouragement. God rescues us. He is both powerful and gracious, and he also deeply loves us. No matter the circumstances, God knows your plight, your needs, and concerns. Maybe you are in a situation where you are needing to be heard or loved. 
God knows that need and wants to meet that need. I'm sure some of you have already felt this rescue in your life, and you know that God is real. Remember it and hold on to it with your heart. Remember how good and gracious he was to you. Maybe some of you don't know this God and wonder if he can meet your needs. This message is for you as well. Perhaps you're not in physical captivity, but I ask, what does your heart search for? What do you put first above all things that can give you security in your soul and meaning in your life? I hope the answer leads more to God. Just as he brought out the Israelites from captivity, so can he bring us out of our despair. But a life with God just doesn't simply stop from the rescue. The rescue is relieving, and we can finally feel freedom from our sins and not be bogged down by the worries of life. But God does so much more than to just rescue you. Which brings me to my next encouragement to you as well. God has a plan for us. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, it reads, But Moses said to God, Who am am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So there's two things uh, to highlight about this passage. First, when Moses had this spectacular encounter with God and started to realize that God wants to send him to free his people, Moses let reality set in. Oh, this is, I can't do this. What is this? Who am I? He says. And he thought, what abilities do I have to confront Pharaoh? How can I set millions of people free and bring them to this God? How can I possibly make this true? It's like going up to Thanos, you know, with the Affinity Gauntlet, and you just have a rubber band and say, stop it, right? (laughs) You can't do anything. And you know what? He is right. He can't do anything. His question is part denial and part surrender. He was not thinking of how to fix the problem. He was thinking of how to get out of the problem. He was rescued, yes, but he was limited to his own ability and nearsightedness of his life. But how did God answer? He said, but I will be with you. And that this sign, this encounter, this revealing is for you that I have sent you. So God answered the question in a way that Moses is right in that he cannot handle it. But God would be with him and make himself known just as he did with Moses. The second part about this passage is what God said next. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. You see, it was not only to be enough to be free from captivity, but to have a reason of knowing why you are free. The reason is to be with him and to follow along in worship. Now, I am not just simply talking about meeting up on Sunday, singing worship songs, and listening to sermons. You know, this is a really, it is an important part of our Christian walk, but it's not a one-day event. This is going through all our lives. It's a, worship involves a daily act of following and listening to God. I remember last year we had a sermon series on worship and how our livelihood brings out honor to God in every aspect in what we do. To have Christ's love and teaching flow out of us daily. Some of you are doing this right now. You recognize that God saved you and now you are following him to live your life for him. Some of you have changed your career. Some have stayed with your career in order to fulfill more of what God is showing you. Praise God for that. 
in what he has done for you. But for some, there's still some convincing that you need. Well, I can say that if you're not worshiping God, you're, wor you're worshiping something or someone else. Which do you think will lead to the fullness of life? I hope you realize that it is God who does so. So back to my story. Similarly, from my prayer revival in 2016, I felt that God was with me and was setting a path for me. And it's funny because I didn't think about missions. I, I wasn't excited about that. But I trusted God. I knew that he was really and touched my heart. And I told him, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm sold out. I didn't know what my future, future was going to look like, but I knew that when God was with me, he had a plan, and that was good enough. After about a year later, an opportunity opened for me to go to Yamagata, Japan, for a year doing mission work with OMF. So I quit my job, having no real plans. And many, many people at that time supported me in going, and I truly thank you for that. And I followed what God was leading me to do. There are so many stories and instances that happened in Japan, but for the sake of the sharing, I'll tell you, for certain that God helped me uncover what was the reason for me being rescued. God gave me the love for the Japanese people for my time there and that there is a great need to tell them about who Christ is, that he is the answer to the hopelessness. I felt the burden to share who he is to them and that it would be a big part of my life. After my time there for a year, I felt God calling me again to go to seminary <laughs> to prepare the next step. I attended Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary to gain a better understanding of the Bible, mission work, and a degree in intercultural studies. In the meantime, God has also blessed me by being involved with another ministry. High Rock Church does an outreach to teach English to Japanese mothers who are staying in the Boston for a time. And I eagerly accepted to be one of the teachers for them and to spend time with the families. And I realized that this is one of the biggest reasons why God wanted me to be here. Excuse me. <clears throat> so that I can help these families learn English, about our culture, and most importantly, build a loving relationship. And I do have a lot of love for them. It has been a tremendous journey going through worship with Cornerstone, learning in Gordon Conwell, and reaching out to Japanese families with with High Rock Church, but the story doesn't end here as it is with Moses. So God, in a truly unique fashion, led Moses and the people of Israel through the desert by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of cloud by fire by, uh, by, fire by night. As God was leading them to worship him, there was a path that they would cut through the land of the Philistines. But in Exodus 13, 17, God did not take them through it because they would be overwhelmed with war with the Philistines. Now, God is capable of protecting them through the war, but out of his mercy and grace, he, led, he didn't want them to go through that, through that trauma as well and led them around, which came to the Red Sea. So here we are again, starting with today's message. The people of Israel were rescued, and God is walking with them with a plan, but now the impossible is set before them. This is a hard stop, and there is no way for the size of people to cross safely and quickly over the sea. The people were filled with great fear as Egyptians came closer, and they cried out. They even questioned Moses, and why, they would, why would they bring him out just to die? They could have died in Egypt. Fear, blame, and doubt set in their, mouth, set in their minds. It's much so like us. 
we follow God and we face a great trial that we can't handle, and it is almost inevitable that we'll face these hardships, and we give in to fear, to blame, and to doubt. But God knows our hearts. This is what is written in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 to 18. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. You see, how God, um, you see how Moses instructs the people to not fear and give in to the circumstance. He said, you will see the Egyptians, and then you will not see them again. It's, it's kind of like a baby, you know, you say peekaboo, and the baby's like, what? Where's my parental unit? Oh, there he, oh, where? It's that sudden, it's that stark, and only God can do that. We only need to be still and see how God is working for us. Which leads me to my final encouragement to you all. God will do the impossible for you. And with that, God opened the waters of the Red Sea and created a path for the Israelites to follow. where There was a pillow fire that kept the Egyptian's army at bay. God opened the waters and brought them safely to the, store, or to the shore and crushed the enemies so that they would not pursue them anymore. In doing so, they may know him and live out their lives with him. So what is your Red Sea? What seems impossible and even improbable in your life? Perhaps it is a broken relationship with a relative or a loved one. Perhaps it is trying to work through and taking care of your family through, this, through our economy and inflation. Perhaps it's worry about getting a job through this job market. Or perhaps it is simply not feeling loved or valued within your community. This past Tuesday, as some of you have known, we've had a very tragic event in an elementary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And I prepared this sermon before this happened. And the word that kept popping in my mind that God was telling me is the impossible, the impossible the impossible. And when I saw, when I, you know, I'm a single man. I know I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine just how much parents have to go through and think about this and to know that this world is, is broken. The impossible of humanity is upon us right now. And I could go, I can make some comments about you know, political views and whatnot, but this is, this is not the case. I, I just want to share with you today that even through this, do not lead into fear. Do not lead into blaming. Do not lead into doubt. God still will work through this impossible. And I would say that we are definitely in need of caring for each other too as bodies of Christ, right? We know that there are people around us who are in need and who are suffering and and not being heard. I was like that. But by the graciousness of people here have helped me, and God, was, God has definitely been gracious. 
So I would say to you, God knows the impossible, but nothing's impossible for God. He brought his people out of slavery. He walked them through the desert from certain danger. He parted the sea so that they could cross. He brought them safely to the mountain so they could listen to the commandments. And was that the final ending? No, it wasn't even come close because guess what? The Israelites continued to complain, continued to disobey, and tried to follow their own way of life. And God was looking at the impossibility of people and being unable to be with them eternally. But he continually was with them until finally, at the right time, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to undo the failures of our heart. And with Jesus' death and resurrection, he did the impossible again. But this time it was permanent. And he continued to be with the church through the history, and he continues to be with you at this time. My impossible has happened many times in my life. I'm still healing from traumatic abuse, rescued from the darkness of my, sin, uh, of my hearts and sins, uh, being in Japan, learning about what's God's heart for them, graduating from seminary, and, um, and now a new impossible is coming up, and that is to reach out to the people of Japan and to help them know that there is an impossible correcting God, to live, them, to live with them and to share the opp opportunity about his love. And I take this opportunity to ask you, do you want God to do the impossible with you? Or do you want to go back to Egypt? Do you simply want peace with this limited life? Or do you want everlasting peace with God? I pray that you may be silent and let God go for you and take that step forward with him. I truly hope to see Cornerstone in all the churches around the world to come and see what God can do with the impossible in your life. And there are many ways to go forward. God may be speaking to you now in, in how to move forward. He may be leading you to read more about Moses and Exodus. He may be leading you out to reach out to the loved ones near you with the broken relationships. He may be leading you to, to continue to trust your family to him and leave the fear, blame, and doubt behind you. And if you feel led as well, he may lead you to do this mission with me as well. Now, mission work is different in how it is not so much of a career, like, yeah, I'll sign up. I've got nothing to do. No, this is a calling, but it is not just a single calling. It's the church going together. It's a movement where the body of Christ are fulfilling us all to go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. You know, it's obvious that there needs to be support to go, but, you know, I don't just rely on support to make God's mission happen. God's mission will happen. It's just a matter of when. God's will, is set to God's will for me is just to follow and to invite as many people along as I can. So I pray for you. For you. How is God speaking to you today? I pray that God may... Um, yeah, I pray that God is just um, setting in your hearts about some truth today. Um, and I'm going to share um, end my, um, I'm going to end my time with uh, two things. Uh, one is a quote um, that I feel is very relevant to this message. Uh, this was by Hudson Taylor, who started mission work in China over 150 years ago. Uh, he went only with the faith to share God's love to the people of China by living with them, eating with them, and sharing life with them. That mission organization is now OMF International, which I'm appointed by. 
And here is what he said. There are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then, it is difficult. Then, it is done. And the second thing I want to do is just to share the quick points that I shared in Japanese to my friends that are watching. Kamisama wa watashi tachi o sukete kudasaimasu. Kamisama wa watashi tachi no tameni keikaku o mochi desu. Kamisama wa watashi tachi no tameni fukano no nona koto o shite kudasaimasu. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, again, we praise you and thank you, Lord. And through this time, I pray that the words that, um, that we receive, Lord, that we know that you rescue us, that you are with us, and that you have a plan for us, and that you will do the impossible. For us, Lord. Lord, I pray for um, your spirit to still carry on um, with those who are hurting, especially from the shootings. Um, even this, the past months, the many months that have happened here, Lord, for the families um, that are suffering and mourning, Lord. And we do pray for change, Lord. We do pray for us to uh, to reach out to those who are in need. Uh, we do pray for the leaders that are making decisions for this country. But ultimately, Lord, we pray that we do not give in to the fear, blame, and doubt, but just to you. We give in to you, surrender to you, and follow you faithfully. Thank you for your mercies and grace, and let your will be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.